welcome to the Let's Talk Autism podcast. I am doing a little singy-songy voice today because it's kind of like Christmas caroling. It is nearly Christmas time. This is our Christmas season and you don't want to hear from me and Christelle much this this season. You've had enough of us all year. So we have had enough of you, Mish. (laughs) So rude. (laughs) So we have got a whole party of Christmas guests with us today. We have got Jack. Hello. Yo, hello everybody. <laughs> and we've got Connell. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hi guys, this is so exciting because I we've got a full house basically. We've got lots hmm. and lots of guests coming on over the next couple of weeks building up to Christmas. Talking about Christmas and an autistic person's point of view. Because last year we kind of did it work from, from parents, and then we had a big overhaul, and everyone was like, hey, listen to the autistic community. And we were like, Yeah, this makes sense. So yes. We're gonna we're gonna basically give it over to you this episode because today I thought we'd concentrate on childhood Christmases. Yeah. So mm. all three of you were diagnosed in childhood. Jack, yeah. you've not actually been when you down a little um siren, a little new guest alert. Thanking so, you. Oh, new guest alert. Ease you in, ease you in and throw you in the deep end at the same no time. Would you like to tell us a little bit and everybody else a little bit about your, your diagnosis journey? Yeah, so I am, hello everyone again, Um, I am 34 and I was diagnosed uh, when I was three years old, so we are talking back end of the 1980s, very early 1990s. Um, My mum, who um, was very observant, felt I, there were certain uh, there were certain things in terms of my development that were a little bit behind and I wasn't quite responding in a way that a neurotypical child should. So I was referred to a doctor who in turn referred me to a specialist. Um, I think what was interesting about when I was diagnosed was this was about exactly the same time that Rain Man came in cinemas. Um, so autism was a really big sort of topic of conversation at the time it was a real cultural moment and although that film does have a lot of problems looking in retrospect at the time that was was the did that kind of bring I don't know what the right word was it a good or a bad thing at the time it was I think it was good in a way to the fact that it at least people talked about it and the fact it was it wasn't the film's fault it was literally the only point of reference that anybody had about autism whatsoever over time there's obviously been a lot better films, a lot better stuff written. The birth of the internet, social media has given such great platforms and much more authentic autistic experiences and more authentic autistic voices. Um, but at least it sort of it sort of got the ground roll, it got sort of the ball rolling. And it's interesting to look at it, even in the 30 odd years since it was first released how much has improved in terms of autism awareness and autism education and again I do think at least had I been diagnosed five years earlier we wouldn't if we even had that as a point of reference so god only knows what my mum would have or what doctors would have thought about that so that was it I was diagnosed when I was that young so I'd begun a very intense period of speech and language therapy my mum was sort of thrown lots of different options even at the age of three my mum was offered the chance that I could be put into residency, into residential care. I was offered that young. Her. Yeah, that young. That oh. was that was, yeah, that was what um again, 
education and in terms of medical profession was not what it was as it is today so yeah that young intense speech and language therapy from the age of about three to about eight eight and a half I was in mainstream school at primary age but then I found that quite challenging so I went special needs education and I've sort of sort of lived my life into autistic teenagehood and autistic adulthood and here I am today. I'm so glad yeah. you're here. Oh, thank you. I just wanted thank to you, ask, you know, you said um, intense uh, speech and language therapy. What yeah. did that look like? Cause I've been to speech and language with my, my son, but mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't find it intense. It's no. relaxed now, I think. I think. Yeah, I think at the time it was, again, it was much more, I think, because, again, autism has How been... How old are you, Jack? Just, just oh, no, I am 34. So I think at the time it was because not many professionals have had a huge amount of experience with autistic people me and my mum talked about it after the fact and we both kind of felt we were a bit like sort of guinea pigs there's a lot of intense interest in me as a child just because I was doctor's first autistic patient so there was a lot of sort of discovery about the condition inadvertently through the experience of working with me so I think that's where I think there's a quite a lot of Whereas nowadays it would just be one speech and language therapist. It was one speech and language therapist. Oh, and do you mind? I have these people who are training with me. Do you mind if they come in as well? Because they would love a first-hand experience of people with autism. So that created, it became much more of a thing. So it kind of felt almost a lot of my early childhood. All I can remember is just basically almost performing to just a group of people's clipboards. That is what my sort of my early childhood felt like to me. And did you have speech, Jack? Yeah, I was non-verbal. My again, my mum was advised that it was unlikely I would be verbal. Um, it was recommended that I would learn Makaton and go on to um, sign language, and that was something that was strongly considered. But my mum said, "Is there an alternative?" And my mum said, "Well, they the doctor said to my mum, yes." But it would mean if you can commit yourself to it daily, speech and language therapy for a year. And then obviously we'll see if there's any progress from that. And that's how it built up from there. My mum made a decision and I'd made enough progress over a period of a year and that sort of continued. But the speech and language therapy sort of diminished over time, but I didn't finish. I had speech and language therapy up until you know, I went to special needs school when I was in secondary school. And then after that, it sort of almost became part of the sort of warp and weft of the education anyway. So it wasn't a separate thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Jack. Thank you. I'm sorry. I've waffled on too much no, already. No, you haven't at all. No, all of us are completely agree. So interesting. I love hearing people's diagnosis, Shelley. So thank you so much, Jack, for sharing that with us. Pleasure. So we're moving on to Christmas. <laughs> now, <laughs> a bit excited, aren't you? <laughs> well, I said Christmas, and everyone's like, oh. <laughs> rocking around the Christmas tree. Christmas tree, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, had to start it. <laughs> I had to start. I, honestly, I've got the playlist ready. I've got a playlist. <laughs> oh, very well prepared. I like it a lot, yeah. Jack. <laughs> yeah, very I'm going to well hand it over mate. to you guys. What was Christmas like? as children did, did anyone love christmas yeah i liked christmas i mean it was it was something i did always like but it was the more of the fact that um as an autistic person you do get quite overwhelmed by people presents the decorations and the christmas dinner and the preparations and 
everything that comes with that. And I think as well with, and as well, that could be very overwhelming uh, with all those things happening at once. Over the, over the years, I've gotten better at adapting to that. And Christmas over the years has become a lot better. But uh, at first, it, at first Christmas, I did find quite overwhelming due to so much happening all at once. I was going to pretty much co-sign pretty much everything um, Connell said. I think I enjoyed, for me, I enjoyed Christmas um, very much from a materialistic point of view. I love presents. I love getting presents. Um, I was the, I think I was very much a homebody. I didn't have much sort of socialising. So my world was in my bedroom and it was life was through computer games. So I saw Christmas as my one chance of the year to get the Christmas games that would get me through the whole year until Christmas would come again. But I did find this sort of the, the extra sort of the trimmings around Christmas, particularly Santa Claus. Um, going to visit Santa uh, was a definite no-no. I had one experience as a young child and um, I think it sort of did put me off men with full bushy beards for life, really. Um, the whole concept of this sort of man who meant to know everything about you but didn't have a clue about you and well, that is a bit freaky isn't it it's very freaky <laughs> there is yeah. so much weirdness about christmas that no one ever if you kind of look, think about it, it makes no sense whatsoever um as a rational thought process christmas is completely irrational so a lot of stuff that i think my mom tried to you know as a child we were going to do all sorts of traditional christmas things that kind of went out the window and it sort of became a much smaller much quieter Christmas um, yeah. throughout my childhood and as I got older and I was much happier for it. Can I ask you a question Jack because you've got a son yourself. So I have yes. Will you introduce Santa? So I, I'm it's a weird one because he's only he's he's two so he's beginning to understand Christmas as a concept but he's still young enough that I can kind of get away with not doing certain things. And also, yeah. I don't quite know what's happened to Christmas, but in the last few years, I've had people like, especially now that I have become a parent, I've had people saying, are you going to do Elf on the Shelf? Are you going to do Christmas Eve Box? And it's like, what are we talking about, people? The consumerism has gone mad. And I was just like, when did, what, when, just when did this Match pass me by? And, yeah. The whole thing. And it's just, I've become, this Christmas is, it was always been just, you've got one advent calendar, you've got your two pound, pound shop Christmas chocolate advent calendar that was last year to the 24th of December. And then you had Christmas day and then that was it. And then it was cold tur turkey sandwiches for the rest of the year. Now it's just gotten bigger and bigger. And I feel like, <laughs> I, that's a thing that's sort of panicking me, particularly I think for next year, where I feel like I'm trying to keep hold of Christmas as a somewhat smaller entity. And I'm just worried sort of the pressure around me of um, everyone, yeah. sort of everyone else. You don't want to feel like you're missing out or losing opportunities, really. Everything's changed now, hasn't it? It so has. Mm. And I don't quite know how or why. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Says? What was Christmas like for you as a child? Oh, well, that's a really good question. I mean, I could go on with like many different things, but one of the, the early childhood memories that I had when I was a little girl at Christmas, I think I was about 
seven or eight and I remember that I used to be obsessed with Barbie and oh, I, I always loved the, the Barbie dolls and I remember um, one early Christmas morning I stupidly got up about 5am and I woke up my mum's like mum 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 present 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 so went down opened one present and she was so tired and then she was like okay you've opened one present go back to sleep and I had trouble sleeping that day and I always had like bad sleeping problems as well <laughs> so that was one of the most weird Christmas memories I've had when I was a child but going on to the rest of it I would say Christmas was a bit of a hit and a miss but um it was a hit and a miss because I do uh, I used to love the presents and because presents to me were ev everything but since I've become an adult now it doesn't really matter to me and I just like to my parents what do I want I hardly look at anything anymore and um, I decorations I thought was really lovely and um, we had a family tradition when I was younger that I would help my dad put decorations on the Christmas tree and that was mm. so many wonderful memories and then of course now I won't do it I'm older but my nieces and nephews would do that now and um, it, it was just really lovely but the most stressful part for me is when, when you have like Christmas dinner with everybody and don't get me wrong it's absolutely lovely to have like people around you to have Christmas dinner and board games on Christmas day but I'm one of those people uh, who gets a little bit fidgety so if you see me do like interviews on zoom or if I'm leading stuff or my guest I tend to um scratch myself on my head and on my ear which i think is stimming but it's yeah. also an appearance of like i don't feel comfortable with this just so interesting to see that I never knew I could do that really, especially uh, when I was a child. But looking back on it now, it makes sense because when I'm at the d uh, Christmas dinner table um, on Christmas Day, it's so stressful because my dad has a large family and we always have the tradition of his family coming over for Christmas Day. And normally when it's everything in the kitchen, I just sit at a very big table with a group of people and I'm just like, oh gosh, what's going to happen? And then um, they're like kids being naughty or yeah. there's just a little mm. bit of slowing down or maybe one of the grandparents um, was eating so slowly while talking at the same time while I just gobbled up Christmas dinner <laughs> and I thought Oh, bloody hell, how's she, how's she going to do this? And, and now normally my nan was like that. It took her for about two hours to finish a Christmas meal at one point. And I really remember that. And I just thought, God, nan, <laughs> how can you be so slow <laughs> but I, I think for me it, it was like a little bit stressful but normally I would find Boxing Day and New Year's Eve a bit easier because we always have another family tradition but uh, I tend to favour those a little bit more compared to Christmas Day really and yeah they seem a bit more chilled don't they yeah yeah, yeah, yeah a bit I'm more chilled yeah and but and there's better food on boxing day as well <laughs> leftovers oh, always great leftovers yeah. Yeah. wonderful but... always yeah but not as good as a curry though if you have it on new year's eve <laughs> no yeah okay guys so for christmas everyone seems to make quite a big deal of christmas you go out to the shops there's all the lights on the streets they're playing mm -hmm. all the music and obviously school 
started doing things like nativity, uh, carol singing. So how did you find things like, you know, the nativity and the Christmas parties at school? Were they stressful as well? Was that something else that you had to kind of, like another hurdle that you had to get over? Wow. <laughs> did you take it all in your stride? Wow. Okay. Uh, so the nativity, um, there was actually a photo of me um, in the nativity. I was about five years old and um, I was still non-verbal at the time. So I was... I assumed I was one of the, I think I was one of the shepherds or something. I'm not really sure to be, I'm not really sure to be honest with you. It's such long ago. I always found the Chris, like the Christmas plays like, quite stressful as well, because, you know, they sometimes put tinsel around your head or like you're wearing a robe or whatever. And, you know, and you or find a tea towel around your head. Yeah, or a tea towel, whatever it is. <laughs> um, you, find, you find that like really stressful because, you know, the material is constantly making you itch. Um, you're kind of sensitive to that material and you only can tolerate certain material. So I don't really like having, I don't know, tints around my head because I just, you know, I would constantly start scratching it and it would just make me have a, you know, I don't know, I'd just get really like agitated and frustrated um, about that. So plays like the nativity and, I don't know, Christmas light openings and that sort of thing uh, at a young age. I did find that like, kind of stressful but I think as I got older in school and um, Christmas plays became a lot more well it's obviously you grow up um, you, do, you may do Christmas plays at school and they become more like refined and grown up or whatever I found that I could actually tolerate um, a Christmas play somewhat even though um, obviously when you're a teenager you find oh, it's cringy it's embarrassing <laughs> uh, so I look back on doing an activity and um, any Christmas play with fond memories and the I think the Christmas parties were good as well because on Christmas on like on the month of December you'd literally do no work yeah and you would literally just eat food and watch, and watch films it was it was honestly bliss worst thing ever for teachers by the way if I didn't yeah. tell you I am a teacher and this is a very stressful <laughs> yeah. week yeah I can quite imagine I can imagine it's quite <laughs> yeah it, it's true to be fair it's like stressful for the teachers but absolutely fantastic for the children <laughs> so i've got a couple of sort of nativity stories which oh. i think sort of <laughs> defines my childhood um the first one was very early on when we did do the traditional nativity we had mary and joseph and um even this was we were probably all about six and seven but even then it was quite high, um, hotly contested and um I was one of the three kings, but I remember I had a massive meltdown because I wanted to be the one to have gold because I didn't know what frankincense and myrrh was. And I think even when we did um, the actual play itself, there was a bag of money. I think frankincense was like a like lantern. And I think myrrh was literally just a shoebox with the word myrrh written on it because no one knew what myrrh was in the pre-internet days. Um, but I had to have gold. It was definitely, it was, they tried to offer me myrrh and it was like, ah, uh -uh, gold or not at all. But so that was that thing. But what happened during the nativity was Joseph was very, very hotly contested. And during the actual performance of nativity, the boy who was um, picked to play the role of the innkeeper, who basically says, no, there's no room. He wanted the role of Joseph. So he went rogue and he basically 
when they knocked on the door, he said, oh, come on in, there's plenty of room. So the teacher said, no, no, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that is not the traditional story. As you know, as you know, I won't say the boy's name in case, just on Katie's watching, no, this is not the story of the nativity. You do say no, I'm so sorry. So that was the last time we ever performed the nativity. <laughs> after that, um, the next year was The Wizard of Oz. And the year after that was Doctor Who. We went very rogue with our Christmas story. Oh, so <laughs> is mine. So is my school. <laughs> I mean, I think that was the safest way because I think the moment we went to tradition, um, you have such exacting rules to behave. And I think it's just too stressful for everybody. If someone went rogue with Doctor Who, nobody knew it. Nobody could care on what was going on. So that was my nativity story. And parents so, yeah. are very competitive about that, about their children as well. So I, I know I'm like, oh, I don't care. I don't care what my child is. What is he? What the slips come out today? <laughs> that group has said who they are. Get out. Where's your slip? Where's your slip? I used to get upset anytime they made Third me in a star or a sheep. Anytime they made me a star or a sheep, I'm like, no. Mary. Always a star, Christelle, don't worry. I I, I know, just to quickly touch on this. Um, one of the things I remember, uh, I got into secondary school and I was in year seven and we did Jailhouse Rock by Elvis Presley as a uh, play. And bearing in mind, never, never ever heard of Elvis Presley. And <laughs> I tried to style my hair like him, but obviously I failed. Um, and I was actually quite, I was actually quite angry about that and quite sad about the fact that I couldn't like style my hair in a quiff. So I was like, I didn't really want to compromise. I was just like, oh, I want my hair like Elvis or nothing. Um, so I just, yeah, I, that was what I thought. I'd just touch upon that, really. So uh, let's yeah. take it away. Cool. My primary school is so weird. It was so <laughs> weird with all that stuff. Basically, we did the nativity. And then I didn't remember, but I can remember my mum saying to me, I was a sheep and I ended up <laughs> for the most stupidest reason. I ended up, picked the doll up of uh, one of the pays Jesus bashed him in the crib, <laughs> the crib. And then when I heard about it I was like god mum no but then it my bash Jesus Jesus but then I sort of regret it really but which I'll get into that in a bit but <laughs> school, they did the most strangest of things they did um the Wizard of Oz they did Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat they um did like more stuff but the strange thing was is that at the same time I was with my school choir so I remember going onto the pillars just to sing the, um the songs with the other years and then I had to come straight off to join the line from my years Chris play but then years later when I actually started secondary school I went to a Roman Catholic school and we always used to have mass around Christmas and Easter and I, I was like in the choir as well but when it came to like the Christmas services I just got bored so bored and now looking back and I think I shouldn't have bashed that baby Jesus <laughs> <laughs> yeah us Catholics do like a really nice long long mass for everything Christelle don't we? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah and I mean I'm sure Jesus forgave you though I'm sure, yeah, yeah I, I'm sure I'm sure he uh forgave you for your sins in... he's had to deal with worse in his life I think I, think. <laughs> I mean yeah, I mean he was nailed to a wall so I'm sure yeah. um, so I'm sure he'll be fine getting his head bashed uh. Christelle's getting the rosaries out Christelle is definitely getting the rosaries out and starting to pray for forgiveness for this blasphemous conversation <laughs> Hell Mary full of grace <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I was going to ask you? Is with my son, I feel the biggest 
thing with Christmas with him is he gets, and it, this is everything. This could be a holiday, his birthday. He gets such fixed image of what he feels that should look like that the upset a lot of the time, and I'm hoping you guys can help me here, I feel stems from that. So if Christmas doesn't look like this year already, he's starting to panic because we've got new sofas. So our Christmas tree is not going to be able to go in the place that is usually goes because we've got like a new shelving fixture where it usually goes. Mm. So we've kind of been trying to introduce that to him. Like this is what on Christmas tree, but he's obsessing about it. And I can tell, even though he's very happy on the outskirts, that when this Christmas tree arrives this week, all hell's going to break loose. And I do think that he had this thing on holiday where he fixated on something that he was going to do, like a little prank he was going to pull. And it went on for months. I'm not joking, months. It was an obsession. And then we videoed it. And it was hilarious. It was amazing. He pretended to be a shark and he got in the water with a shark fin. We'd ordered him off of Amazon. And it was just the sweetest, most loveliest moment, especially after so long speaking about it. But then when I showed him the video back, he started crying. And I said, why are you crying? And he said because I'm stupid and I look stupid and that's not how it's meant to look. And all my husband and I we felt was just so ha- much happiness in this. Yet in his mind, everything had gone wrong. And that's kind of where we get to on Christmas day as well, or his birthday. If you know, my youngest is very naughty and it always likes to like try and blow everyone else's candles out. And then he does that. And you know, that's not the way it should be. And Christmas, yeah. and, do you know what I mean? It's that sort of thing. <laughs> oh no. Cause I was just wondering, what made your son feel like he was like that he didn't really look like he was like clever or intelligent enough to do that what what made him say i feel stupid you just because you got to know um like ask like some questions like did someone tell you at school that you did look stupid in what some Mm. way because it really depends if he went to a specialist or if he goes to a specialist school or a mainstream school because I had a chat with my mum about this the other day because I said to her oh I feel stupid of making those decisions and she said well you're not stupid you're just being you and you you may not even know but you you do things your own way and you're very intelligent and then she asked me now do you feel stupid and I was going mm. no and yeah. that that really really worked for me so it's just trying to like get into conversation about it but just at a slow and steady pace because some questions can be overwhelming especially if there are some activities that are involved. And then also another suggestion that if he wants to do something that he feels comfortable with, maybe something like doing some arts and crafts as well. So he can put like a contribute, like put decorations on the tree or maybe do like a tradition, like go on a treasure hunt or something, just something that will keep the mind working and just have fun at the same time. Yeah, makes sense. I wanted to ask about noise. Because um, obviously, I don't know how your families are, but I have a big family, so mm-hmm. Christmas Day is very, very noisy. noisy. <laughs> yeah, it's very noisy. But with my son, um, what I've uh, observed is the louder the environment, the louder he wants to be. So it's almost as if he needs to be on top of the noise. Yes. It seems to really stimulate him. Yeah. I don't know whether. Any of you guys experience anything similar or was it the opposite yeah. or does noise that are you unbothered by it? Yeah, I I used to find as well that if the noise was like like insanely high, I would then have to, if I was 
because I wouldn't be able to talk in like a normal voice and a normal conversation. I would have, I would have had to like raise my voice completely uh, in a sense, just to be able to, I guess, keep up with the noise uh, levels as well. Uh, but I'm quite the introvert anyway. I'm very introverted. Um, and sometimes, I sometimes, I guess, could be introverted in some ways, but um, most of the time, um, especially around about Christmas time, I can be quite introverted. Um, so sometimes I don't really like partake as much in the, I guess, like family conversation. Sometimes I have to take myself out of the situation because um, because of the like noise levels. Because if it gets overwhelming, then I like completely shut off and I just don't really like comprehend anything that's happening around me. Uh, so I think I think as well. I don't know how your son works in terms of that, but uh, just saying to him I guess that if he needs to take himself out of the environment he can do uh, just yeah. five minutes just calm down and you know recharge I find that batteries. he kind of he's very good at I don't know what to say protecting himself mm. so even though he'll love the noise there is a time where he'll go and find the quietest room in the house and he'll just I, go I and chill that. in there yeah, yeah. He'll just go yeah, and my son does that yeah, he'll get his iPad or phone or something and he'll go and chill in there or he'll go and jump on the bed or something. But he's good at taking himself out of, you know. That's really good. Kind of That's yeah. good. Yeah, I think it's just kind of sort of introducing ways of self-regulating with your own children, really, and just kind of letting them kind of lead it in a way. I think, as you said, having the iPad, having phone or um, just having the space somewhere, a almost like a safe space and even if you no matter how much family you have have an area just a room no matter how small it is just somewhere that it's completely almost shut off from the rest of the house just so that you know that you can go somewhere it's not always easy I mean I think for me I think for me it was always used to be the toilet because that was usually <laughs> I was usually undisturbed for quite a period of time until someone came knocking and said Jack you've been in there for too long but um mm-hmm. that was always always felt that was my sort of safe space as a child and I think that's just it's just being able to create a world around your child that is that they can feel safe to express themselves emotionally in a way that um they're comfortable with yeah definitely uh, i was gonna say quickly i think uh at christmas time as well i think it's quite a stressful time for parents sometimes because you're meeting up with different family and friends maybe people that you don't see all the time and what i and find also is that, that pressure chris when we were talking yeah. about before is that pressure from when you do go on instagram you're like oh they're off on the shelf and this and we've got this and we've got this <laughs> and this and we're like that doesn't fit with my family <laughs> yeah and what yeah. i find is that everyone seems to be an expert now so mm. i know my son more than anybody else knows him but when we're in an environment where there's loads of people, people will say, oh, no, um, you know, I think he might be getting upset with the lights because, you know, autistic people um, get upset with the lights. And I'm like, yeah, they're not, not everyone is the same. No. <laughs> and um, they just seem to spout out all these kind of, you know, like advice and assumptions, which I think sometimes I think for parents, you do just want to say, just, just oh, yes. <laughs> very politely but just you know so yeah. what are your top tips before we wrap it up and I know you are all going to come on again for another Christmas special oh, because you're, you're yes. roped in now Yay! with tinsel <laughs> and fairy <laughs> lights yeah. Merry Christmas everyone yeah Merry Christmas <laughs> this is your parting gift to us until next time what is your top tips Christmas tips that you could give a parent or anybody actually just a top tip, top Christmas tip. That's it. I'm going to leave it there, really vague and open. <laughs> Nobody speaks. 
<laughs> I hands up, please. I'm going Come to do my teacher. No I'll one's going to put their hands up. I'll pick somebody. <laughs> What's this? Oh, 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 pressure, pressure, pressure. Okay. I, I always think that the top tips personally for me and uh, my family plans Christmas stuff last minute but for my New Year's um, family tradition where we have the Indian curry and then play board games with my mum's side of the family it always happens months in advance so I think the best thing to do and this was me if I move out because I still live with my parents but if I moved out I would ask people what the rough, rough plans are about few months in advance roughly two or three and then once you know then you can set out a routine and you can set up about what's going on and then also you could set a routine for before to write down a list of who, who do you want the Christmas presents to be sent for because um, I know that I don't do Christmas presents only for my nieces and nephews now but um, I always like plan what what to do ahead but i i've put it onto a little halt really because i'm about to become an auntie auntie again for the seventh oh, time congratulations, congratulations. Thanks. Um, yeah just plan months in advance that that's really all i can say really <laughs> i think my advice would be to parents particularly parents of children is just to relax don't put that pressure on yourself it is oh so easy to do so honestly you do you don't do someone else's Christmas there is so much out there about pictures and it's something it's days beyond Instagram I mean I've got in my hand a copy of Delia Smith's Christmas book cookbook from 1992 and she details her Christmas routine I'm just gonna do one line in my younger days I used to dash off to midnight mass and return home with a group of friends with spiced cider sausage rolls and pickled onions at about 1.30 in the morning who does this nobody <laughs> does this honest to goodness do your own Christmas number one be understand that Christmas for any child regardless if you are neurodiverse or neurotypical Christmas is the most atypical day of the year. It is a bizarre day. It has no routine. It is overstimulating. It is materialistic. It is propelled as food that they will never eat any day of the year. So if your child wakes up at 4.30 in the morning, and trust me, I know children who don't have autism who do this. I, know I did that as a child at 4.30 in the morning. If your child has been banging on about this toy for the last three months, they get it open it up and then when it's 15 minutes later it's discarded never to be played again it happens Christmas is a time that you just embrace it for what it is not for what you think it should be and I think it's too easy to have this kind of rosy glow of nostalgia of what Christmas was like when you were younger I mean for me Christmas is as much about the stuff that didn't go right I my dear late grandfather once um, was in charge of microwaving the Christmas pudding and the recipe called it for to be in the microwave for two to three minutes he misread it and then we thought it was a bit odd why he was presenting the Christmas pudding then we could smell the smell of burning plastic what he'd done is put it on the microwave for 23 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and it melted the microwave my grandmother didn't speak to him until the following day when he went and got a new microwave for the Boxing Day sales <laughs> That is the Christmas I remember, especially now that I've lost both my grandparents. Yeah. I treasure those memories. I treasure the stuff that went wrong and was a bit kooky. Christmas is not each of us having our own Christmas goose and little tiny Tim saying, God bless us, everyone. It is about 
just a time just to enjoy the chaos, enjoy the merriment and turkey's overrated. And my last piece of hidden Christmas joy, go on YouTube, type in Fanny Craddock Cooks Christmas. It's seven, it's five episodes, 10 minutes long of how to cook the perfect Christmas dinner in the 1970s jaw-dropping stuff what a 60 year old woman does to a turkey with a fork has to be seen to be believed <laughs> go on there honestly i do not tell a lie people that's my one piece of advice honestly it's my christmas tradition and it's one of something i'm going to force to my son to watch verbatim for the rest of his childhood <laughs> for it. but trust me it's so worth it fanny cooks christmas well, thank you for that top tip. Jack. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very that, much. And bashing baby Jesus, uh, Connell, last I'll wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last tip. Uh, yeah, I'll try and top that. Uh, I personally, like Jack was saying, I just enjoy it. Just relax, enjoy the chaos that comes of it. And uh, one thing I will say as well, particularly to parents out there, if you're child neurodiverse or not doesn't want to engage in like the board games and the conversations and that just just let them go and recharge their batteries and it's more it's most likely they'll come back in when they feel ready so just enjoy just basically just enjoy it just enjoy christmas this is the time to relax it's christmas is unique it's chaos it's just utter <laughs> chaos and everyone loves it so yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you oh, so, thank you much, so much everyone that was brilliant yeah Loved and you'll it. all be back next week because the next week's episode we are <laughs> going to be talking just about those those present gift ideas and actually from childhood to adulthood and christmas nobody's nobody's been told that they're coming back next week they all just have so we'll see you all next <laughs> week on the yes. come on <laughs> Love it. We're going to get a little bit more tipsy as every week goes on, but there we are. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get more from Delia. Quotes from Delia all weeks long, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, everyone. See you later. Bye. Okay, bye. bye. Thank you so much. You have to part with a really Christmassy, Christmassy saying. No joking. Ho, ho, ho.